to extend a cycle uh, of this magnitude, it's critical for businesses to invest because that improves efficiencies, grows productivity, and when you have higher productivity, you're improving output per hour worked, but you're also able to maintain a strong employment situation without threatening wage fears because businesses are profitable and you're able to sustain margins. So if you don't have that threatening wage fear, the Fed doesn't need to slam on the brakes. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. We're back in the great state of South Carolina, and I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Ryan Dietrich. Hey, Ryan. Hey, John. Good morning. How's it going over there? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. We survived uh, our big focus week with 7,000 advisors, partners, and special guests in San Diego Convention Center last week. LPL Financial did a great job running it thanks to our conference services team. It was really a wonderful experience. No, it was. There are very full days, but they're also rewarding where we get to meet the advisors that we work with every day, and you kind of know them from Twitter or just different ways, but then you're just walking around the convention center, and you get to say hi to them, and next thing you know, you're talking to them for 15 minutes, and it's really rewarding to kind of connect the names and the faces and all those dots. It's Again, it's tiresome, but it's a blast. Absolutely, absolutely. You're going to 9, 10 o'clock at night, and it's, you know, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning our time. It's, you know, pushing it. <laughs> or maybe 1 Exhausting. o'clock in the morning their time, 4 o'clock in the morning our time. It depends, John. Well, that might have been you. That wasn't me, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, take some time to recover. So hopefully we're able right. to this weekend. I did, John. And, you know, today, so we're recording this on Monday, August 26th. This weekend was a nice, just kind of recovery weekend, but today is actually the 15-year anniversary of the very first date that Emily, my current wife, and I took 15 years ago today. Your current wife, if she's listening, I'm not sure if she's going to be too excited <laughs> well, about that comment. Well, I've only had one, so that's true. She's okay, like Terrence is over here. He's laughing. Terrence first, is... <laughs> your first and final wife is what you're That's what to. I meant to say. Well, you know, we're in the room here, the studio, where we do stuff. I was on CNBC at 6 in the morning, got up really early. So maybe we'll just chalk that up to being a little tired. Exactly. Saying the exactly. wrong thing. Like, I tend Fair to enough. do that when it comes to my wife. I say the wrong thing. So keeping with tradition there. Well, yeah. well, congratulations to you guys. That's awesome. Thank and you. think about all the wonderful things you've accomplished over 15 years and those three beautiful kids. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, and they're you. all back in school now, right? Yeah, week two down here in South Carolina. Everyone went every single day last week, and they made it off this morning as well. So they're they're enjoying it. Daughters in middle school, Susanna, like we talked about last week at LPL Live, live from Focus. She's first week of middle school, sixth grade, and she's uh, she's enjoying it so far. I guess can't get a lot out of her, but I think she's enjoying it. Well, that's that age, right? She'll exactly. leave, she'll leave middle school. She'll enter middle school a baby, and she comes out a young woman. So that's uh, That'll be a big change. Well, good for you guys. As volatile as middle school can be, mm-hmm. uh, the financial markets were exponentially more volatile last week. You know, we were really bookended, right? We had uh, great news last Monday, supposedly, and then uh, terrible news on Friday, supposedly. But nonetheless, you had massive market reactions on tweets, trades, trade threats, and, uh, you know, more delays. And, you know, we can't we can't sugarcoat this thing, even though the markets are opening up positive this morning. This trade situation really is hitting a new low. Wouldn't you agree? No, it sure is, John. You know, again, we talked about it in May. We thought we were about 80% done with the trade deal. And then just on Friday, China hits back on the $75 billion. And then President Trump does a couple tweets starting around 11 o'clock Eastern time. And in the middle of that was the Fed, um, Jackson Hole, but that, that seemed to take a back seat. And we saw nearly a 3% correction intraday uh, from the peak to where we closed. And that one tweet definitely riled everyone up. I guess you could say, quote, unquote, the good news is this morning, Monday, we do have a little bit of green early in the morning. Uh, Nonetheless, it it seems like it's just back and forth and we're not getting any closer. Do you think we're ever going to get a resolution here? 
You know, um, you would think both leaders want to make progress, but when you think about, for just example, President Xi, right? You, you have the horrible events going on in Hong Kong. So, you know, the hardliners don't want him to show weakness to the U.S. during all this in Hong Kong, right? right. From a nationalist pride standpoint, if you will. And then on our end, we have the election coming up, and, you know, he's got to show uh, some degree of strength there. So I'm, I'm afraid to the degree that becomes, those become the driving forces, you know, perception of the people as opposed to the economic reality. And I just think after last week, I think perception of the people is more important than economic reality of uh, the damage that these talks are doing or lack of talks are doing. So this thing, this thing's going to drag out. And as you know, we, we cut our earnings in GDP forecast last week just for these for these concerns that trade is really weighing on everything. Yeah, you know, you mentioned last week reality, some some positive news, I guess you could say. Companies like Lowe's and Target both had really good earnings. Earnings season, as I guess we can call it down, the home stretch here, rounding third, heading for home. You know, according to Thomson Reuters, we're looking at potentially 3% year-over-year earnings growth. I mean, that's not spectacular, but boy, oh boy, we were talking negative 3% at the start of the, the start of earnings season. One other stat, John, then I'll send it back to you. One other positive, S&P is down four, four weeks in a row. That sounds bad on the surface, and it is. But at the same time, you go back 10 years since this bull market started, the S&P has been down five weeks in a row only once back in 2011. Actually made it to six in a row. So very near term. That was this is, time of year too, right? It sure was. And it, it, the thing about it is, you know, so how what's that mean? Well, if we're going to bounce, we probably should bounce fairly soon. That's what history has told us for the last 10 years. We are oversold. Put-to-call ratios are high. Investor sentiment polls are definitely flashing a lot of fear out there. A lot of scariness. A lot of scary headlines, scary stuff out there. But maybe a lot of this is priced in also potentially. But we're only down 6% from the high. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's right. Something. You're down four consecutive weeks, which sounds awful. Right. But we've had major, major volatile swings, right? We've had six, 700-point moves, 800-point moves on a couple of occasions, right? But the incremental hit has only been 6%. Typically, August is seasonal, seasonally weak. We've, we've talked about the you know, the August period, the September period. September typically is the month where you see the most, historically, the most earnings revisions downward, right? Because right. And I always attribute that to uh, Wall Street analysts coming back from the Hamptons and <laughs> sobering okay. up and saying, what was I thinking of in January? Uh, so, you know, we've got a couple of those things going on. In addition, we don't want to be dismissive of, of Hong Kong or, you know, I guess the protests in France have died down a bit, but you've got manufacturing weakness in Germany, you've got manufacturing weakness now in Japan, you know, they're, uh, you know, the Brexit situation, uh, North Korea launched more missiles. I mean, they're, they're South Korea and Japan are in a trade dispute now. So there are a lot of things with which to, to be concerned about. But to your point, many of the major retailers uh, delivered solid EPS growth last week. The week before that, we saw retail sales come in with a really strong number. We've got consumer confidence coming out, I guess, tomorrow. Uh, curious to see what that'll be. Uh, so you've got a lot of things going against us, but the U.S. consumer is fully employed. The U.S. consumer has wage growth north of 3%. And at 70% of the economy, that has to count for something. Uh, you know, Maybe I'll just add to what you said, John. We're really down 6% from the highs. The largest pullback we've seen this year is 7%. Uh, that came in in May into early June. 
and you think about it, you know, the average year tends to see a double-digit correction. Right, four, 13 14%. Exactly. And you tend on, you know, this is averages, I'm aware not everything's average, but at the same time, you tend to see four separate 5% corrections a year on average since 1980. We've had two 5% corrections. And one stat that I worked on yesterday, I didn't quite get to mention it on CNBC, but I'll mention it now. You mentioned the big swings. So, John, so far year to date, the S&Ps had 28 1% either gains or losses, mm-hmm. a 1% move up or down. Intraday move. It, it, yes. Well, actually, we're closed. So on a closing basis, either up or down 1% 28 times. The average year, going back to 1950, at the end of August, so pretty much where we are now, is 33 1% move. So there's different ways to say, you know, this year feels rocky, feels with the headlines very scary. Maybe the price action after a 20% gain to start the year is actually fairly normal. What do you right, think about right. that? Yeah, I think it's just a, a respite. We talked about mm-hmm. the summer doldrums, yep. right? And yep. it, it's all playing out. Now, of course, we had no idea, you know, the trade situation would escalate to the low point where we've arrived. But nonetheless, sure. we knew there was going to be a cause. We just weren't sure what the cause was going to be. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really weighed. But again, um, we still believe, we're, we're still looking at economic growth of Two percent this year. We've introduced, as we said last week on LPL Live, uh, for this podcast. We're looking at one point seven five percent next year. So good growth, basically trend. You know, we're going to have recession someday. We we have talked about that a lot. The cycle has to end sometime. But looking at the strength of the consumer, and the uh, weakening global trends that we're seeing, it's conceivable that, you know, that the election season really weighs on people to the point where consumers and businesses just tap out in the fourth quarter of 2020. So it's conceivably have two consecutive quarters of, I don't know, a third of 1% decline as people just want to see whether the current administration extends or uh, a new administration takes over and people want to just see what happens. So self-fulfilling prophecy type recession. Oh, absolutely could be that. Now, you know, this week in our weekly market commentary, like you just kind of laid out, we discuss our cut in GDP growth. And I know we did talk about this some last week, John, but one thing I want to point out, if you look at nominal GDP growth at the eight different economic cycles since World War II. Now, that, nominal is real plus inflation, that's folks. Correct. So, so if you have 2% GDP with 2% inflation, Good nominal point. growth is 4%. Good point. So that's coming at 49% so far this cycle. What in the world does that mean? Cumulative. It's cumulative, start that's finish. correct, the past 10 years. The average at every single cycle since World War II has been 49%. So yes, this is a very long cycle of growth. At the same time, I think that kind of hammers home. It's just kind of meandering to 2.5% growth. You know, most of these years uh, to come in at around 49%, we'll call it 50% for the total cumulative um, nominal GDP growth. But you know, that kind of suggests maybe we this can keep going, right? I mean, it is an old cycle. And we just cut GDP, but maybe we can keep going. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about the weekly market commentary, John, and the, the reason for the little bit of a cut in GDP. Yeah, it's it, it's all trade, and to the degree that trade impacts business investment, that's what we're seeing uh, because the consumer is strong, as we, as we mentioned. But businesses, if businesses spent at, what, a 10% clip in the first half of last year, 2018, and then ground to a halt in the second half of the year, and then we've right. seen marginal gains you know, the first half of 2019. But nonetheless, to extend a cycle uh, of this magnitude, it's critical for businesses to invest because that improves efficiencies, grows productivity. And when you have higher productivity, you're improving output per hour worked, but you're also able to maintain a strong employment situation without threatening wage fears because businesses are profitable and you're able to sustain margins. So if you don't have that threatening wage fear, 
the Fed doesn't need to slam on the brakes. Right. So that's why it's so important. And we'll get into the yield curve in a second. But what we do see is that, uh, you know, we, we, we need capital investment to extend the cycle. And if, if trade interferes with that, the cycle will end sooner rather than later. But we're putting one in three odds of uh, recession beginning fourth quarter of 2020. You want to move on to the yield curve in the Fed? Yeah, I think the yield curve, I think that's a great transition because uh, we don't want to be dismissive of historical significance of previous yield curve inversions. But there are a couple of things suggesting it's different this time. You know, we always joke, right? You never want to say that, right? But the four uh, most dangerous words. Exactly. It's different this time. Exactly. But when the central banks in the West and in Japan expand their balance sheets by a factor of five, artificially suppress the short end of curves, there is a different dynamic. And we're seeing that now, right? The yield curve is flattening. Historically, a yield curve flattens because commodity prices are rising, wages are rising, the Fed is jacking up short-term rates. Is that the case now, Ryan? No, that's exactly not the case at all. Obviously, we have a Fed that is easing, that is starting to cut. And you know, last Friday in Jackson Hole at the symposium, uh, Fed Chairman Powell, before the 11 o'clock tweets from President Trump, he kind of said what, you know, didn't really rock the boat, said, hey, we're likely going to get a 25 bit. He didn't say this precisely. That's how the market interpreted it. But we're going to see probably at least a 25 basis point cut in September, likely one more before the end of the year. And then the tweets came regarding trade, and that really rocked us. But, you know, you've got the drops in commodities, and you have a Fed that's easing here. So it is definitely different this time, I guess. And the, do- and the dollar strong. That's right. A dollar did have a good drop on Friday, yeah, but over, overall, you're exactly right. The dollar absolutely has been quite strong given other uh, times heading into recessions. That's not yeah, quite the, the case. The dollar lost half a percent on Friday. That's a trade-weighted DXY dollar, and uh, that was its loss for the week all on Friday. So f- from a market signal right. standpoint, uh, it looks like the currency market may finally be buying into what the Fed's doing Yes, because that we had not seen that. So again, you know, with uh, the historical significance or the historical experience Short rates rising faster than long rates is why we've seen previous inverted yield curves. Today, long rates are falling faster than short rates, indicating to us a strong liquidity situation, right? Because M2 is still growing, so liquidity is still exactly. rising. We're seeing you know, break-evens for forward inflation market signaling, if you will, of, of pricing pressures. What one and a half percent ten year forwards right now the break even approximately. Mm-hmm. So consequently, you're looking at that. So uh, the short end of the curve is saying, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, policy is too tight in the near term for the trade uncertainty. Yeah, and so that's the short end of the curve, and what we call the belly of the curve. That's the two ten yield curve, and that is flirting with inversion literally as we speak. But the longer end of the curve, you look at the ten year, thirty year uh, yield curve. That's still above where it was earlier this summer when it made lows. It's nowhere near inverting. In previous recessions, you tend to see the long end of the curve also invert. So there's kind of one thing to be aware of there. You know, I've read a lot about yield curves. You talk to 10 people, you get 10 opinions on it, obviously. But it does seem like the short end is saying, hey, we think there's a cut coming very, very soon. Um potentially multiple cuts coming, right. the longer the curve is saying, hey, this economy can keep, keep going and we're likely going to avoid a potential recession in the United States. And I think the long end is also looking at a trillion dollar deficit. I think the long end is looking at uh, potentially increased issuance from Treasury. And it's conceivable that helps steepen the curve with a couple of more, mm-hmm. couple of more cuts on the short end by the Fed. And then, you know, I don't know if I necessarily want to see a 100-year bond, but if we 
Well, issue more let's tens. Let's hope you don't see it. How issue old would more you tens. be? That's you'd right. Be, that's be, right. One hundred ninety-seven. Probably, probably <laughs> wouldn't pay until you know by the time I go to my reward. Uh, but nonetheless, I do think um, you're going to see that sort of steep, and I think that's what tens and thirties are telling us right now. Uh, but we've got to pay attention to to nineties and twos and twos and tens right now, and hopefully the Fed is. And it would appear after after Friday's speech that they are, you know, will you know doing the air quotes now act as appropriate. Right. To sustain the expansion, that's that. Those are the six words. Act as appropriate to sustain the expansion. Seven words. But something we need to be mindful of over these next couple of months. I don't think the Powell Fed will do a fifty basis point intra meeting cut, nor will they do fifty in September. He seems too measured. But if you get one in middle of September in a couple of weeks, and then one, which is mind boggling, right? Middle of September is a couple of weeks from now. And um, the first college football yeah. game was on Saturday night. Yep, I unbelievable. Mean, oh my, yeah, mm-hmm. unbelievable. It didn't appear anyone really wanted to win that one with all the turnovers, but I guess Florida <laughs> did pull it out of Miami. They got them, yeah. And then, uh, you know, have one cut in mid-September and the other cut at the end of October, and uh, hopefully that will be sufficient to mollify investor fears. Yeah, you know, John, maybe to, to wrap it up, we'll talk about the 10-year yield for a second. I believe it this morning the 10-year yield was down to 144 or 145-ish. Yep. It has bounced back a little bit as a time of this recording, but that is near the lows that we saw pretty much at Brexit, summer of 2016, and then again in 2012. And you look at sentiment polls, you know, one of them consensus number of bulls on bonds, keeping this very simple. People are more bullish on bonds now than they've been any time since when? Since 2012. That's a long time. A lot of people are thinking bonds can keep going up which can mean yields continue to go down. Start of the year, we were the exact opposite pretty much. Right. So maybe with the 10-year at a pretty technical, strong technical level support around 140, there could be that contrarian move to get the 10-year to kind of go a little higher. Yeah, you look at flows into TLT, you look at yes. put calls, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, other sentiment indicators. You know, Maybe this just is the, the capitulative aspect of... Uh, even though we have another month to go in the seasonal weakness, maybe right. maybe this could prove to be the the capitulation. But again, on on the uh, on the yield curve, uh, recognize that uh, you know what's what's largely been driving it, but also uh, you know pay very very close attention to the Fed going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So John, looks like we have about four or five more minutes here. Uh, we can wrap up. I think we said we're going to wrap up talking about corporate profits. Now, yep. mm-hmm. you know, we kind of hinted at it a little bit, but I'll just kind of put the ball on the tee for you here. So second quarter is wrapping up here. Again, according to Thomson Reuters, looking at about 3% year-over-year earnings growth. According to FactSet, just slightly positive. What really matters, though, I think, is just the expectations. Everyone cut earnings coming in, and that's the game. Analysts cut their earnings. But once again, earnings season is coming better than expected. We're looking at probably a positive second quarter. Third quarter can kind of be uh, about flat-ish as the expectations, maybe a little bit of a pop in the fourth quarter. But overall, like we said, retailers are doing pretty good. There are Banks did pretty well. There's always pockets of strength. Earnings don't look too bad, do they? Well, there are a couple of things we should talk about there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, GDP is going to be revised on on Thursday. Yes. And when GDP came out a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess it was, historical profit data for the national account, mm-hmm. not S&P operating earnings, not publicly traded companies, but all companies, uh, those profits were revised lower by a, a significant amount. We have to make the distinction between economic profits and market profits, if you will. As investors, we look at S&P operating earnings as a primary driver. That background, we, we mustn't lose sight of the fact that the body of work for corporate profitability on a national account deal hasn't been as significant as people had anticipated. That's one. Second thing, S&P operating earnings, yes. Forecasts were, I guess, for a 300 base point decline right. or 250 base point decline uh, going into earnings season. 
you know, Jeff Bookbinder's talked about it quite a bit for us over the last year about how businesses operating earnings are typically uh, ahead of con- of the forecast by about 400 base points, and it looks like we're we're tracking towards something like that. Actually, a little higher than that, right? We'd be if we were down three and up three, that'd be a 600 base point swing. But nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, the trend still looks pretty good on profits. We obviously are very concerned about trade and the impact of capital investment and to the degree that has uh, negatively impacted productivity. And also if productivity is negatively impacted, then margins are impacted affecting profits. So we are at consensus for profits this year, but we're only looking at a handful of percentage points. Earnings growth next year, we're at $175 in earnings for 2020. And just want to point out that the street is probably $9, 8 or $9 ahead of us. And we just want to right. send a signal to our advisors and our investors and our clients that uh, we are taking this very seriously. And that's why we're so significantly below the street's forecast for next year. But a tailwind is the Fed. Mm-hmm. And to the degree the Fed cuts short rates, that expands the market PE. So we're looking at an 18, 18 and a quarter PE on 175. And we think we could trade as high as 3150 to 3200 uh, next year for the S&P 500. You know, John, we've got only a couple more minutes to go, and it's amazing. We haven't even talked about the G7 yet. That just shows you how much news is truly out there. I'll just kind of mm-hmm. summarize the G7 very quickly. Potentially, we have U.S. and Japan have a tentative trade agreement. Japan's going to start to buy more of our corn. And U.S. and France are very close to solving the digital tax issue, which has kind of been out there. So there are some positive headlines coming out of the G7. That tends to be how these things work. But at the same time, the fact that we push this out way to the end of this conversation just tells you how much other news is truly out there right now. Exactly. And and I don't even think the communique said anything about U.S.-Europe trade deal, particularly on auto tariffs. Right. So to the degree, you know, that's a, a looming risk also in addition to China and the South Korea-Japan thing on trade. We have to be very, very mindful there. But not to end it on a buzzkill, let's talk about uh, <laughs> the better earnings for this quarter. That's right. So all in all, you know, earnings have been better. And let me also, what else is good, John? It's football season, right? Absolutely. The, the, down here in the South, it was Terrence. What was it? Terrence is here. Terrence just had his bachelor party. He's getting married soon on October 12th. He helps us every week. So thank Absolutely. you, Terrence. But, um, you know, it was like 65 degrees almost yesterday. I mean, it's been 100 every day. So that's some good news. Football is here. The bull market's still alive and well. We're up 15% total return basis. It's going to be rocky. Well, it's but alive. I don't know if it's well, but it's there. alive. Well, that's true. A lot, it, <laughs> it is a, that's a good point. It is, it's still alive. But, it's um, still beating. It's, it's, it's a lot going on. So, John, I had a lot of fun this week. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We have an email, LPL Market Signals Podcast at LPL.com. So please feel free and send us some comments and some questions. Absolutely, absolutely. And to th- wrap up, Ryan, thank you so mm. much. And again, Expecting another volatile week. You know, trade is going to continue to dominate headlines and just encourage all investors to focus on the fundamentals. Uh, We're tweaking GDP. We're tweaking interest rate forecasts and we're tweaking profit forecasts. You know, we still see, in spite of a challenging environment, opportunities for the market to respond favorably. And and that's what we'll be focusing on. If we see otherwise, obviously, we'll be the first to let you know. Uh, But right now, with uh, a fully employed consumer with good wage growth, that is something to keep in mind in spite of the many, many challenging global risks out there. So we thank you all for listening. We'll look forward to be on next week. Have a great one, everyone. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich.
The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, Please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.